All right, beautiful humans, welcome back to another episode of Naked Sunday. I'm your host, Caleb Nelson, and I have the lovely, the relaxing, the calming, the energizing, the just wonderful human being that is Tracy House. Hopefully I'm saying your last name correctly. If I'm not, I'm sorry, still love you, but welcome to the show, my dear. Thank you, Caleb. It is a delight to be here today. The delight is mine because I get to welcome you here, hang out with you for a while. We were just talking. We had a lovely chat maybe a week or two ago. I can't even remember when it was. Mm-hmm. All, all my days blend together at this point, which is cool. Like I, And I'm just usually just genuinely happy all the time. But I like to start off all my episodes with why I appreciate my guest. And I do this because I think we need to start telling each other why we care about each other, why we love each other, why we value each other. I don't know. It's somewhere in my brain, I feel like that's like the cornerstone of solving the whole world peace thing, but we'll see where that goes. But to that effect, like we had this really amazing conversation and especially of late, I just really have been acknowledging and recognizing I'm making friends with people all around the world almost every day. And you're one of those people, you're over in the UK. And I gotta say, like, you just have this kindness, this genuine heart, this deep desire to help people on a very profound level, especially when we start talking about breath work. And I know where that can go with a lot of people when people are feeling overwhelmed in this world and there's always stuff to do, like people who want to dive in and connect with somebody, help somebody like help with that kind of work. I think there's something really special and, and, and powerful about that. And it takes a unique person to be able to hold that type of space. So aside from you just being a wonderful conversationalist and having intriguing conversation and, and an amazing discussion a couple of weeks ago. I'm just super excited about this. And just, I want to say thank you for being you and doing what you do. I really appreciate that, Caleb. And I think, you know, from that conversation, our first conversation, it's mutual. And I think we both have the same desire to really support people and use the skills that we have to, you know, make the world a better place in our own small way. So I'm all here for that. All here for it. We're going to get more people all here for that kind of vibe anyway. That's, that's at least the, the mission along with all the other things. But let's dive right into it. You know yourself better than I know who you, 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 I would hope so at least. Share with those, our listeners, Tracy, who are you? Big question. It is <laughs> now. Ooh, I know. Let's just dive in. You know, let's, okay. clip the, let's clip the buzz. You want the long go. one or the short story? Okay, I'll go with one. the short story. I want, we got time here. Long... We got, we got okay. time together. What, this is what we're here for, to connect, to go there. <laughs> well, I am based in the UK, but this is not my home originally. I was born in South Africa, in Durban. Grew up in the apartheid era mm. and left for the UK back in 1999 and have made has made the UK my home since then but living in South Africa you know beautiful um, weather I lived in near the sea so the ocean was a big part of my life from when I was a baby you know my dad used to put me on his surfboard when I was you know 18 months old much to my mother's absolute horror (laughs) But, you know, I think it was sort of breaking the ice. Let's get her in the water now. And it's absolutely paid off because of, you know, where my life has led. Um, And my, in terms of, you know, my my passion in life, I'm very drawn to nature. Uh, 
I love being in the water, as I said. But when I left South Africa, where you're surrounded by incredible nature, you know, I moved to a big city. I lived in London for nearly 20 years. And that urban space is, is thrilling and challenging for all the right reasons. But at the same time, every time I had a holiday, I was going to the ocean. I needed to cleanse my soul, as it were, and remind myself what was real. Um, you know, but on a purely, um, you know, experience-led basis, I came to the UK because I love to travel. And I saw the UK as the doorway to Europe and the US. And I had the opportunity to, to go to both, as well as to South Korea, you know, I've really kind of broadened my horizons and I advise anyone who's not had the chance to travel to, to make it a priority because life is short and you want to make the best of it. In terms of my business life, um, I left school, I went straight into work. I started working in retail. I'd always been fascinated by fashion and the creativity and the artistic side of fashion design as it were. And I worked not only in retail, but I worked as a booker at a model agency. And I got to meet amazing people from all over the world who came to South Africa to build their books, as it were, their portfolios, and then go back and, and carry on working. And they inspired me to travel. And so when I finally got to the UK, I did work in fashion for a while. And part of that was traveling, which was wonderful. And Back in the early noughties, you know, the opportunities were limited because obviously I was traveling on a South African passport, but hospitality was an arena where you could work for a small amount of time and then go and travel and come back and do the same thing. And that was important because I needed that flexibility. And after several years, I was finally offered my British citizenship and the most exciting part of that for me was that I could finally follow my entrepreneurial heart, as it were. I'd always wanted my own business. Mm. And I sat, I remember sitting on my lounge floor, and this was in 2010, thinking, what do I, what do I want to do? And I thought, I love the hospitality world. It's been very good to me over the last decade. And obviously, I like food and drink myself as much as possible. And I like organizing stuff. I'm a pretty good organizer. So I launched my first business, which was a restaurant marketing consultancy. And I had that for 11 years in London. And I loved it. I met incredible people. I loved it so much that a business partner and I set up a network. And I know how much you appreciate networking. Yeah. Um, for fellow hospitality professionals to learn from each other, support each other with business you know, find work as it were. And it was a wonderful time to be in that environment. I then, would you like me to carry on? Yeah, <laughs> I'm a long version. Girl, I'm all in. We got time. That's the, <laughs> we beauty, got time. that's the beauty of a long form podcast. So people, we don't just go for punchlines. We're going for like, like understand the human. Um, again, all for that. So, okay. So back to the <laughs> hospitality world. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should swap my tea for a gin and tonic. Um, <laughs> hey, I'll have a cocktail with you. It's only 10 okay, o'clock cool. my time. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Got some whiskey over there. <laughs> Crack over a bottle of wine. Whatever. It's Tuesday for me. Tuesday. It's never bad. No, never a bad time for a G&T. 
Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, yeah, so this is back sort of 2014, uh, 2018. I was, you know, living the dream as it were. And when I say that, I don't mean it flippantly. I felt very proud of what I'd achieved, you know, and I was, had built something of my own, but I was also helping other people in my community to advance in their roles. And that was a, that's always been very important to me in every area that I've worked in across the board. Um, and then I started having some health issues just out of the blue. I'd never suffered with anything like this before. So it took me by surprise. And this was 2016 and I had a severe panic attack. And I'd never had a panic attack, so I didn't know what was happening. I thought I was having a heart attack. And I went to the A&E and the doctors checked me out and said, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you're fine. Off you go. And I was like, okay. But unfortunately, this continued to happen. And it had such a major impact on my sleep. I wasn't able to sleep very well for at least 18 months. Wow. And my anxiety levels went through the roof. It was unpleasant. I was just a shadow of my former self I would say not a had not a not a very comfortable place to be and at no point during this time did anyone suggest any kind of alternative or complementary therapies you know it was always very much a clinical response and I was offered um, the opportunity to attend a meditation retreat and that was when I say life-changing, it was so profound that I now have a completely different life to what I had in 2017. And that was only, what, five years ago? And yeah, it really was. And I went into this, this experience. Um, it, it's actually called a Vipassana retreat. It's a very simple nature-based experience. It's not a high-end luxury resort by any means but it's about people taking care of each other, but it is a silent retreat. And you are guided through the meditations. So you meditate for eight hours a day, you eat clean and you sleep well. And I hadn't slept well for so long that in, as soon as I could sleep more than four hours, that was a gift. Wow. <laughs> and the premise for the, the meditation was nasal breathing. And I didn't know at that time how profound that would be for me. And when I explain my life now, it will all connect. But it was understanding that you have control over changing states in your body. You can manage your mind, your thoughts, and how your body reacts. And even when the body reacts in a way you don't like it to react, you observe it. You, you, you learn how to live with discomfort in life. And no one had ever explained it to me in that way before. And for me, and I know this may not work for a lot of, for everybody, but for me, it was exactly the medicine I needed. And I left that retreat with a clear mind and I made some life-changing decisions. I decided to close one of my businesses and to leave London after 20 years. I moved down to the south coast of England, which is very similar, in fact, to where I grew up in South Africa, except the sea is a lot colder, obviously. So I felt like I was going back to the source. 
And I also wanted to be closer to my family and it just felt like the right move for me. And, you know, people were like, why are you leaving London? That's crazy. You've got a life here, you've got business, you know, you know everyone. And I was like, it doesn't, it's not serving me. And I still had friends right up to the day I left questioning why I was leaving. But I realized now it was them feeling like there was a loss, you know, they were losing me. And I said to them, I'm two hours by train. <laughs> I promise you I'm not far away. And I promise you, you'll have a lovely time when you come down to the beach. <laughs> you know, beach is a very good bribe because it works every time. <laughs> True. Um, so I moved down to, to where I live now and I can see the ocean every day. Mm. And I find that that is like a salve on a wound. It just makes you feel better. And yeah, so big life-changing decisions. And then, you know, the, the, the challenge of reestablishing yourself in a new town, a much smaller town, you know, where people have grown up together, know each other, there's a lot of trust, you work, you know, your, your, your builder, your gardener, they know someone in the family and it's all very connected. And then I turn up and I didn't know anybody. I was like, okay, what am I gonna do now? yeah wow <laughs> so that was back in 2018 um and I thought well there's only one way to meet people so I got stuck into my LinkedIn profile and I started to find local networking groups I could attend because that's my comfort zone I love meeting new people and it worked I just suddenly had people going oh hello you've moved here come and have a glass of wine with me or come and have a coffee I live around the corner and I thought this is unbelievable because that would not happen in London. I wow. promise you. Wow. Um, and I started to build up my own sort of network of people and friends. Um, then, as we all know, 2020 arrived and the pandemic really, for everyone, was the two-year pause, you know, in respect of our lives. But it gave me time to reassess. Um, I downsized one of my businesses from London to suit where I was now. And it was challenging, you know, there's no word of a lie. You go from one city to another, you don't know anyone, you can't just suddenly implement what you did in one place and think it's gonna work somewhere else. So, you know, two years of tweaking, I still wasn't happy. So I did it again. I thought, oh, I'll just iterate again. So I changed my business to social media training because that's something I really enjoyed. Again, giving back, educating, passing on skills. But it wasn't giving me that joy, you know. Um, and when you don't have that love of something anymore, it stays with you, doesn't it? So this is the interesting part of the story. So I've been told by people who've heard it before. <clears throat> I put out a website, <clears throat> excuse me, um, where I used my free diving imagery um, and called it deep dive into social media. And I had on my about page a little bit of a reference to my free diving, which is my sport and breath work, you know, about Tracy, right? And people would have come to me and go, yeah, we know you do social media, but tell us about the breath work and free diving. That sounds really cool. And the conversation started happening and it started to get louder and louder and louder. And I was working with a, a mentor at the time 
And I just said to him, I don't know what to do. I've got this business that is what I want to do. And then I've got this thing on the side that I love. And he just said, well, Tracy, do both and see what the market wants. Best advice ever. And to give you a bit of context, as soon as I had learned that nasal breathing technique through meditation, I went on a, a research, my own research project for the last five years on different breathwork techniques, understanding the impact of water on the body. Um, I'd been a scuba diver for many years and I'd always wanted to learn how to free dive. And when I left London and moved to the South Coast, I found a club. Mm. So I got certified. I started competing before the pandemic and I was exposed to this whole new way of learning about the breath, the body, mindset. And I could see how this would track with all the breathwork research I'd been doing around meditation and anxiety and sleep. So when my mentor said what he said, I thought, this is it. This is the time you, you have to do something now. Some, all of this stuff is not is happening for a reason. And I immediately started Googling a book I had read through my free diving called The Oxygen Advantage, which was all about scientifically proven breathing techniques for sports optimization. But it was also practical application for health and well-being. And I found you could get certified to become an instructor. So at the end of 2020, I took the decision to, to leave behind the business that I'd had for a long time and take my love and my passion and my just pure enjoyment of the subject and build it into what I now have as a functional breathwork business um, which brings me joy and that's where I am now I've been working for a year as a functional breathwork instructor I do free diving training every week and it, yeah I feel like my life is on a different trajectory now and I really appreciate the opportunity to share it. Thank you. The first thing that sticks out to me is the willingness to pivot. I think so many people in this world right now, and I, my hope is that the more examples we see of people willing to change and seeing that it can be done and you can change again is that people will embrace that. But what I really like is that there was, I mean, it comes down to courage. And that's why I have such a strong admiration for entrepreneurs. And I know many of our, my listeners are, they own a business. It takes a really big leap of faith, dare I say, to say, this is the thing I love. I'm passionate about. It gets me up in the morning. I'm going to go after that. Though this thing is functioning and it's stable. And obviously you staged it in a way that was, so you don't blow your life up because that's also important, but to say, no, this is what really is calling me and I'm going to go after it. When so many people, so many people be like, that's not the safe thing. And not to say like, also, you know, there's the whole dynamic of like, well, also don't die, <laughs> pursue your passion, but like, don't die <laughs> that you still got to survive to still pursue the thing. Like, it's a kind of this interesting dynamic within that. But so many people, I guess if we're going to go with the water analogy, like they just stay on the shore. They don't go out and they don't cast their line and they don't get in the water and they don't see if they can swim and they don't realize like, oh, I can have a different experience. I can have a different vantage point. 
if I just do, if I just go for it. So I think that that's really cool that you did that. And what I think is also inspiring, I think a lot of people don't, I think a lot of people when they're experiencing challenging times, when you're alluding to your panic attacks, I know a lot of people, especially people that are, they own their own business or whatnot, or high performers, they're executives, whatever. It's the, the un, like it's starting to become more of a com, common conversation, but people who put a lot of burdens on their shoulders, they have a lot of responsibilities and they have a family and they have a this, and there's all these mouths to feed. And then there's a clients and staff and da, 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 da. And many times people don't know how to grapple with all of that. They don't have the tools and they don't have the background. They don't have the, well, I didn't know that this is a thing. So many people look at like the, we'll call it the panic attack as a bad thing, as opposed to it being, this is a thing. This is a sign and a symptom. I can do something about it. And you took that thing, that experience and turned it into something that like guided you in a very different direction. While you could be looked at as bad in the moment, perhaps if without that, you would have never have gone in this direction. So I think it's just a unique way for people to start looking at the difficulties in their life as not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. What I always say this, like when I'm going through a tough time nowadays and it, it works because it just zooms me out. It's like, I'll just say, what's this teaching me? And it will, I'll immediately go to like a thousand foot view, jump myself to the future and then look back on my current self in a way to say, oh, well, I'm learning this skill set, that skill set, or I'm supposed to be walking away from this, or I need to learn how to set this boundary, whatever it is. And if I don't learn it now in the future, it's going to be a lot harder for me to learn that. And so it's, and it's going to probably be under greater uh, pressures. So those are a couple of things that immediately stood out for me in just your story of embracing these inflection points. And then also not just because you said you're all you were getting for your panic attacks was more of the clinical thing that's not to say that there's not a time and a place for everything i i tend to lean more towards like your body knows how to heal itself maybe listen towards it more that being said there's beautiful things about modern medicine having an honest conversation with yourself and saying like this thing is not working i'm going to open my purview to other things i thought that was really cool that you went and explored something that at least in the pop culture is not seen as a conventional thing. Some people think it's just woo woo and oh, you're mm-hmm. going to breathe. And all of a sudden your problem, like, no, it's not going to solve all your problems. But what I think you had said it this way, it's like, I had learned how to sit with discomfort. I thought that was a really interesting observation with that. I don't even know where I was going with all those reflections I just had, but those are some things that like just immediately jumped out at me. I'm like, wow, what a cool I think those are always really powerful things within a story and with anybody's journey to say like, oh, these are where we're going. Like, these are things that we can all attach in our own life. I've had a, a challenge. I've had a struggle. It taught me this. Boom, boom, boom. How can I like take that lesson and apply it in the future? Those are things. So again, I don't even know where I was going with it. I just, I thought it was worth noting. No, thank you for saying that because it, it, it's what I, you know, when I think about these experiences and I I can picture myself back in that environment, what I've I've realized I've just developed over time now is self-awareness, which I think I didn't really have or understand before. 
because it did feel a bit like I was on a treadmill, you know, back in 2016. It was just this constant. And I think listeners would relate to this. You just have so much on your plate that you just can't, you don't give yourself space and time to think. You just go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And if something happens, it's a knee-jerk reaction and the stress response kicks in. Um, I now understand the scientific principles behind all of that. And I do a lot of my own research, um, not only through the oxygen advantage, but through other medical professionals who share amazing research so that we are now getting a deeper understanding of what's going on in the brain, in the body. And I also feel that there is a hunger for, for knowledge. There seems to be people wanting more information, wanting access to medical grade information, not just you know, the, the fluffy stuff at the top that, you know, sounds good. Um, you know, I, I think I'd said to you before, if, if I was doing any other job, I'd probably be an investigative journalist because ah. I like to dig deep. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so self-awareness definitely was, was, a, was, was present. Mm. And the fact that I'd had, you know, three other businesses in the lead up to becoming where I am now, one thing I learned through that process and definitely a lot of discomfort was to be agile mm. and not expect to do everything on your own. You know, having a mentor, having someone I could just say, I'm feeling like this, I'm not sure, what do you think? And then giving me that support enabled me to make these decisions quite quickly. But if that was my very first time, if I'd been employed for 20 years and then suddenly went, I think I want to start my own business, I think my discomfort levels, my fear would have been a lot greater. So it's very much, in, you know, if we look at it in perspective, it's relative to what had happened before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think... You know, you mentioned the discomfort issue again. I, I will say that's something I learned very much through freediving. Because mm. essentially with freediving, you are holding your breath to the point of discomfort. Mm. And the discomfort is actually the diaphragm constricting, your throat muscles constricting, your body's automatic response to get you to breathe so you don't die. Mm. But amazingly, as mammals, we can train that mammalian dive reflex so that we can hold our breath for longer and when you take something so practical and go okay I understand what's going on in my body and I feel it and you take it away from the water environment and you put it into day-to-day -day life when you're dealing with stressful situations the training I've had through my free diving meditation and the breathing enables me to be less re re reactive so my stress response can be more measured. Mm. And you, you spoke about taking a helicopter approach, going to your future self and looking back. A lot of people wouldn't know how to do that. So I think that's a really powerful tool as well. If we all had these learnings that we could apply so that we aren't ruled by our thoughts and emotions. I really love that you brought up the free diving using... I think people don't understand the beauty of a, a routine physical practice and what it teaches you beyond just that. And I think a lot of people don't respect 
that our body tells us a lot more than just, hey, I've got six pack abs or I don't have six pack abs. It, it's the perfect journal. It's the perfect diary. Mm-hmm. It's the perfect log of our behaviors. It absorbs it all and it, it interacts and interfaces with everything, both mentally, physically, emotionally, dare I say spiritually. It's absorbing that and it's pushing it back out in some way, shape or form. It's if we just look in the mirror long enough or sit with the feelings long enough, we could probably narrow down into that. So what I find interesting about what you talked about there is using a practice of, hey, I'm going to, in a controlled setting of your sport, which I'm curious again in a second to go into the, what drew you to it, using a stressor of a sport or a practice, a physical practice to learn fundamental principles and exercises that translates outside of that, that arena. I think that's so beautiful that people can do that. I think of the same thing of like, I came from a very fitnessy background, obviously owning a gym for about 10 years. And one of the things that somebody had said was like, the biggest thing is it's going to change the space between your ears. It's like, yeah, it does. It's not so much about the body. It's really the inner interfacing the body with that connection. I think that there's something really beautiful and profound aside from your love of the water, which I also love the water. And when you said best way to motivate people to come visit you is have a beach round. You're speaking my wife's language, by the way, right there. (laughs) I just want to go to the beach. I just want to live near the beach. That's like echoes in my brain all the time. Um, What about free diving specifically and for anybody who doesn't know what free diving as a sport is, what about it drew you to that as a, as a practice? Well, I, <clears throat> excuse me, scuba diving as the first port of call was a way to get comfortable about being underwater for a period of time. Mm. But I always found that I was very um, encumbered with equipment you know and I didn't like that sensation of you know you're not really free to move in the water you've got you know your tanks and you've got you're breathing through the regulator and it's just for me it just felt like a chore (laughs) you know I'd get to see some beautiful reefs you know I'd had some wonderful experiences particularly um, in Thailand Um, but it just didn't feel like it was right for me And if I go back to, you know, South Africa as a child, I remember very clearly because my grandfather actually taught me to swim and I was, I've got photographs and and old video footage, (laughs) me in a nappy jumping in a pool kind of thing. But as I grew up, you know, we, the weather in South Africa is particularly humid, especially in Durban. So it's very common to have a swimming pool. And I found as a child, I'd always hold my nose and try and sit underwater for as long as possible. It just felt nice. I liked it. It was a comfort for me. Um, I didn't at that point understand. I mean, I was probably about between 10 and 12 years old. And you carry that memory, you know, and bearing in mind as babies, we're breathing through amniotic fluid for nine months. So fluid, you know, helps build our lungs. It's it's, It's part of us. So I actually watched a video and I'll be very happy to share this video with you if you like. Yeah, for sure. Of a French 
world freediving champion called Guillaume Neri. And it was a video that it was shot by his wife, who's also a freediver. And she shot this video on breath hold. And it's on YouTube. It's had millions and millions of views. And I, I, I was Googling literally freediving videos to find out where I could train. Mm. And this video came up and it absolutely blew my mind because he base jumped off the blue hole. And if, you, if anyone knows what the blue hole is, it's just a sinkhole in the middle of the ocean. That's very dark, there's not much in there, but it's a great place for free diving because you've got a hundred meter drop almost, possibly, possibly deeper. So he base jumps off the ridge of this on a breath hold and goes down. I, I don't remember the exact depth he got to. And then he starts to climb back up like literally climbing, like he's climbing a mountain. And then obviously he, he needs to breathe. So he starts to swim back up to the surface. It's a very powerful video in, and you need to watch it with headphones because the soundtrack is pretty awesome. Wow. And I, I was fixated. I can't explain it to you. It was almost like I was watching this going, I want to do that. There was no doubt in my mind that I would either. At some point I will go to the blue hole. It's on my list of places to dive in the world, but it just felt like, yeah, I could do this, which might sound arrogant, but it isn't meant to be. It just felt very like, yeah, with training in time, <laughs> I could possibly do this. So um, that started my journey. And that was, I then went to the London dive show mm. in 2014 and I met a free diver. I mean, it's just incredible how these things happen. And she was running a VR experience where we had headset on and you were holding your breath while the diver was diving through a coral reef and you could see how long you could hold your breath for. And I couldn't hold my breath for that long, but you know, I thought I didn't mind. I was like, this is so cool. I wanna do this. I wanna do more of this. But again, in London at that time, there was nowhere to train. So I was like, okay, I'll just park that idea for now. And it was there in the back of my mind, back of my mind. And four years later, when I moved to the South Coast, I found a club. And I literally, within a month of moving, I got certified. And they just said, yeah, you've got scuba experience, you swim, you've got all of this, you know, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole, you could just go for it. And I did. And then six months later, I started competing because I think I needed a natural outlet for my energy. And also, you know, you're not competing with other people, you're competing with yourself. Yeah. Because of course you're in a competition, but that competition really is with you, your breath control, your mindset in the water. And my first competition was a joy because I had no idea what to expect. I went into it open-hearted, did all my practice, my stretching, my yoga, my meditation. And I came forth in the UK in my chosen discipline, oh. which was dynamic no fins. Um, and it just kind of blew my mind that I had this ability to do this. And that was it. Couldn't stop. It's part of me. <laughs> I train every week. Um, I had the pleasure of going to Egypt before the pandemic to do some dive training and, and, and it was just magical. Mm. When you dive in warm blue water and you have powerful interactions with, with 
sea life, you know, swimming with wild dolphins, and they literally come right up next to you and look you in the eye. I remember because I had my GoPro in front of me and I was in such a daze that the, the GoPro went one way and you can, you can actually see this video. This Me and the dolphin are just kind of staring at each other. Wow. <laughs> and it does, it separates you out from any other experience you've ever had. There's no fear in my, in my experience. I just, you know, the discomfort is your fear response, but you get, the more you train, the more your body adapts, the more your nervous system adapts. Mm. And that, besides the powerful experience in the water, I can tell you quite honestly, and from talking to other free divers, learning such a skill makes you that much braver in real life. When you're out of the water and you're living day to day, you kind of go, you know what, if I can do that, then I can do this. Why not? You know, it is a deeply profound experience and it challenges you every single time you go in the water. So, you know, I've had difficult times, you know, as you would, but nothing phases me in the sense that I, I was so difficult that I never want to do it again. It just makes me determined to to learn more and how can I do it better next time? More power to you on diving into that, what do you call it, the blue hole? Holy <laughs> smokes, everything about that just like gave me the, also I have a thing with tight spaces. So like the pressure of water makes me feel a certain kind of way. Um, don't get me wrong, I actually love the water, but um, Wow, I think there's something really beautiful within all of that. What you're saying is that when you learn how to just sit with that discomfort, I, something about it made me think of like a runner's high. Or like you mm. talked about your experience in Egypt, right there. It's like when you know how to just deal with, and especially it's, I think it's from the training that people don't understand. Until you do enough repetitions, you're not going to be able to just almost unconsciously just say, "Yeah, that discomfort's there." Some part of my ability to autopilot that's there, but I can also now observe my surroundings until you can master this basic, like within yourself space, it's going to be very difficult for you to in, to interact and engage in a meaningful way with the world around you, which I think is a great metaphor for a lot of things in this life. So many people have yet to master themselves, which I don't think there's such thing as master yourself. I think there's a, it's a pursuit, but the, the self-awareness you spoke about in all of this that you've, you've developed and cultivated, the more you are aware of yourself, the more you can position yourself in a space in the world to engage with it in a way that's meaningful and substantive, like you said, with the dolphins or just in any sense of the, like whether it's work or clients or your family or whomever it is, your friends, until you have like control of what's closest to you and which is just being aware of yourself and knowing how to cope and deal and just like routinely stay as present as possible how can you appreciate the beautiful information that's staring you right in the face it probably looks more like a threat than a than a than a like a hug then it looks like it's somebody trying to attack you versus trying to give you a hug those are two very different things so I think again, this this idea of using this physical practice you found in freedom. And obviously, it's this is your you're you're clearly like individually drawn to that. And somebody watching, listening to this, or watching this, 
Um, mind you, I see the sharks behind you. So if anybody's just listening to this, she's got the, the green screen background of sharks. And I was like, <laughs> I might want a cage behind me or in, in front around me if there's going to be sharks around, um, especially maybe like great whites or whatever. But like, regardless of it, I think there's something really cool about all of this that we're discussing here. Like you're drawn to that thing, whatever somebody's love or passion really is, the more you learn to hone that discipline there's so many beautiful lessons that can be extrapolated from that and applied. Like you said, you're, you're, you're more uh, fearless or you're more brave. I think brave is a better word, more brave, more courageous in the other places of your life, which something like building a business or somebody, you know, stepping away from a business, even to give more time to their family. That's a brave decision. When a lot of people have expectations of like your friends trying to get you to not move, it's like, yeah, I'm going and I get it. Like, but this is what's going to happen. So what's going to work out. There's that courage and that bravery that comes that, that I would dare say is cultivated from the practice that you are developing within yourself. I think that's really, really cool there. I think the, that's such a great word is practice, you know, because it could be anything. And the, the clients that I've worked with, such a vast, uh, you know, array of businesses and passionate pursuits. Um, you can apply what I talk about in free diving to any sporting activity. You know, it doesn't even have to be high intensity or extreme sports. It could be you just enjoy walking along the coast, for example, or you like walking through a forest. That's your downtime. You can make that such a mindful experience. And again, what you said about honing that skill, you know, what we spend the most time on, as we, you and I know through our, you know, instructor training, um, you become so much more, you become better at it because the synapses are connecting and the brain is starting to develop. So it, it forms a stronger focus on this thing that you love so much. Um, what I'm drawn to is how that thing interacts with other things. <laughs> <laughs> to make it to make it to sound really quite simple um you know and we all fighting fear i think certainly the last two years everyone has feel, has been through the worst of, of it possibly the worst you know for not for everyone but for some and knowing that they are that you have other options you are able to control and manage your stress manage your anxiety and recognize when your body is going into that state so you can take action. Mm. One thing I think I've learned personally is just to trust my gut a lot more. And we talk about trusting our gut, right? We talk about that feeling in the tummy and it's like, I don't know if it's quite right. You know, there's a, there's a sixth sense there or some would say it's the polyvagal theory, you know, where you are, you know, it's, it's you know, life or death situation you're gonna it's automatic it doesn't you don't have time to think about it but i do believe that we have an instinct for a reason you know um and if something doesn't feel right there's a reason for it and if something feels right you know is that going to serve you serve others be something good in the world and that's how i can only explain that sense i had when i was trying to decide which direction to go and it just felt right there's you know that's the only way to kind of it doesn't have to be you know diagnosed it's like that's what I'm going to do because it feels good well to play on that right there 
it makes a lot of sense now as you're saying it feels good so i did it but there was the belief behind it like oh yeah i could just mm-hmm. see the path like i get it maybe there's a confidence enough from all the other things you've done mm-hmm. but i think that's a really important part and it's not to say like feelings are fact because especially if somebody is overly emotional if they're in a hyper yeah. engaged state we'll say like they're they have a lot of perceived threat yeah i, I gotta imagine a lot of your breath work like teachings it has to deal with like hey how, how do we sort some of these things out because if you're just in straight up chaos mode like i yeah. think back right now when i was uh going through my business fallout and i was going broke like i was like i was sleeping maybe four hours a night maybe and um I was like terrified of things. I literally at one point thought like my gym was bugged, which is a most ridiculous concept. It's like, no, it was not. You just said something and somebody like you know, said it was a telephone. Um, so to that effect, it's like feelings are not fact, but when you can quiet the surroundings and get control over some things, now you can trust your feelings again. And I think that maybe is what we're seeing a lot with people when you have something such as a pandemic and, you know, regardless of your news source it's just like it's just pummeling us with information and i see nothing but guilt and shame and you're supposed to think this way and you're supposed to look that way and it's like it's a full-blown assault on all of your senses i equated a lot my my father when we went to vegas uh well we're flew in there we spent one day there he said it's like it's a full-blown assault on all of your senses and when i left i was like that makes sense I get it. Like it, everything is here geared to like make you do something and often it's just spend money. Um, mm-hmm. But as I'm bringing it back to all this stuff, like all these other influences are trying to gear you towards investing in their idea of what success is, except what we're talking about here is how are we tapping into our own idea of success? What feels right deeply within myself? I'm like, how do I trust my gut? I haven't heard the actual polyvagal theory so that i appreciate you sharing it that way um it made sense as you elaborate on it but i thought that's really cool and so i learned love to read to hear a little more about like the practice that you do teach like from a very basic sense of like nasal mm-hmm. breathing and what this is helping do because all i envision right now with all this stuff and i've done plenty of like breathing stuff myself i love just learning a new like a small tidbit every single time and everybody else's unique perspective all I think of is like, it just takes that volume and turns it down so you can listen to like the real message. I think that'd be really valuable for somebody to understand kind of like that concept where most people think like, what, you're going to breathe and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> like Some people, have, sometimes I feel like it's, they think it's like, it's too good to be true. And it's not going to maybe necessarily be the same profound experience day one, but the practice that we talked about. That's why I think having some some backing and understanding like, well, this is kind of what's going on here, mm-hmm. maybe physiologically or conceptually. Can you share a little bit of that? Absolutely. And thank you for asking. Because this is, you know, I go back to my my research. I did not want to work in a space where people would go, oh, that's a bit out there. Don't mm-hmm. really, how do you prove that? So my and you know, meditation, unfortunately, sometimes gets tarred with that brush. People just go, oh, it's a spiritual or religious experience. Mm. It can be completely non-religious. My experience was non-religious. There was no religious impact at all, even though the the practice came from Buddhist uh, monks. 
but they weren't teaching us to be Buddhist monks. They were taking a simple physical exercise and converting it into a you know, practical sensations in the body. And I did a lot of different, there's, so I would say breath work, people hear that term, they go, well, I breathe anyway. What are you going to teach me, right? And I'm like, get a cup of tea because you're going to need to sit down and listen to this. Work it, girl, work it. <laughs> or popcorn, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Um, but again, I'll go back to my experience. I questioned everything. And when I read The Oxygen Advantage, I suddenly went, I read that and I went, I understand. Everything is based on science. Blood chemistry, biomechanics of the body. You know, you'll know this through your sports training. You know, you can back up all the exercises you were teaching people because you know how the body works, how the anatomy moves and, you know, what's going on in the body. But in terms of breathing exercises, it was completely new to me and it floored me. I was so taken with it that I thought I need to know more. And to give you the scientific explanation, the reason why nasal breathing works, we have a molecule in our nose, our sinus cavity, which is only produced in the sinus cavity called nitric oxide. And if we look at the biochemistry, we're looking at oxygen and CO2 in the blood that helps with ventilating the body, keeping us alive. But when you inhale through your nose, the nitric oxide is activated and the nitric oxide and the carbon dioxide together act as vasodilators, which means they open the blood vessels and allow more oxygen rich blood to get to your lungs. That does not happen if you breathe through your mouth. So mouth breathing can have a really negative impact on the body. And unfortunately, modern life, a lot of us are typical mouth breathers. You know, we tend to speak, eat, drink, breathe, exercise, using the, the mouth predominantly and not the nose. And what that causes is exercise-induced asthma, because when you inhale through the mouth, you're taking in unfiltered, bacteria-filled air straight into your lungs. And the constant inhaling from the mouth is going to cause inflammation in the upper chest, which results in exercise-induced asthma. If you are breathing through your nose and you're taking in clean, filtered, warmed, purified air into the lungs, you're already eliminating the possibility for potential infection. And the other part of this is the biomechanics of the body, the diaphragm. And the diaphragm is a big sheet of fibrous muscle that sits like an umbrella under the rib cage and it separates the heart and lungs from the stomach and the intestines. But if that muscle is not moving freely, it's rigid, it hasn't got flexibility at all, it's going to impact on how much air you get into your lungs. Because the lungs don't operate independently. I think there's a misconception that you may have these two balloons in your chest that just you know, increase and decrease and that keeps you alive. No, so much more than that. We have 20 muscles alone in the throat, part of the breathing muscle system. Upper chest muscles, intercostal muscles that are in between the ribs and then the diaphragm. And the diaphragm is the pump like a car piston. So if it moves properly up and down without any um, 
flexibility issues, you are going to be able to take a full inhale and a full exhale and fully oxygenate your brain, your tissues, your organs. So that is, you know, the scientific reason why nasal breathing and diaphragmatic breathing work because they enable us to breathe efficiently. And in regards to sport, and I work with a lot of athletes as well, if you are not breathing correctly, in other words, your baseline breathing, your foundational breathing is heavily mouth breathing or hyperventilating, you're snoring at night, you're breathing through your mouth at night, that's gonna have a major impact on how you exercise. So when you exercise, the diaphragm should be taking up all the slack because it's our main breathing muscle. And what often happens with athletes is they, because the breathing is impaired, they breathe through their mouth and that puts a huge amount of stress on the cardiac muscle. So that's gonna trigger heart attacks. You know, when people do long distance running for the first time ever, and they suddenly have a heart attack, it's because they're breathing potentially, if, unless they have an underlying medical condition, that's undiagnosed can cause this. So, you know, there's, it's so important for me to get this message out there, even though the book is out and, you know, it's become a lot more known thanks to COVID being a respiratory disease. People are curious. They want to know more about breathing and, and lung health. It's not common knowledge. This is a lot of like fun refreshers for me. I went to a uh, re retreat, we'll call it. It was a workshop, seminar, three day thing, whatever. I don't know if you're familiar with rock tape. You ever seen people with the tape and all the KT tape, kinesio tape all over them? Oh, yeah, yeah. So the theme of the whole thing was breathing and it was great. I mean, it was really cool. And so many people, like, I love how you just said that before. Like, what do you need to tell me about breathing? I've been breathing my whole life. I would be dead otherwise. It's like, well, sure. You've also been squatting because every sat down on your chair your whole life, but your knees are killing you and your back is killing you. You sure you've been doing it right your whole life? It's like those types of mm -hmm. flippant responses, which brings an interesting thing like pain thresholds. How much pain until you're willing to open your mind to say, I'm going to go explore another way. I think this is so cool. Now, remind me, I, I, I could be wrong about this, but the NO2, which makes me think like, isn't like, uh, like the, in the, like Fast and the Furious, don't they have like the turbo, like the, the NO2, like that's what the, it speeds the thing up. That makes me just kind of laugh if it's that's the same nitrogen. thing. That's a different Okay, I got it wrong. Got the wrong <laughs> molecules in there. So thank you. Appreciate you. I don't know why it made me think that. But if I remember correctly, and please do correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that chemical also can induce feelings of happiness? So when it's passing through, is that is that accurate or am I way off base on that? I honestly don't know the answer to that question. As far as my, my understanding of nitric oxide is it is very specifically the vasodilator does that's what it does. Cool. However, the impact of perhaps this is where yeah. I can answer it, is that when you are breathing deeper, because it's not, when we say deep, I mean base of the lungs. And usually what happens is gravity, we end up with blood, you know, more blood at the base of our lungs. The nitric oxide and the, and the carbon dioxide also stimulate the movement of that. 
So the diaphragm does the physical movement and the carbon dioxide and the nitric oxide are the chemicals doing the movement. So together we're getting full oxygenation. And when you are in a relaxed state and you're breathing in the right functional way, you can trigger the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve is the largest nerve in the body. It's connected to all our major organs from the base of the, you know, the brainstem. And we have, there's a term called um, vagal tone, where you can actually, through consistently good breathing techniques, improve your vagal tone. In other words, you can improve your parasympathetic response. And that in itself keeps you calm, keeps the rest and digest part of the, the, the nervous system in check and enables the body to feel comfortable, safe. You know, if you want to use the word happy, yes, you can. Um, but it is one part of that jigsaw puzzle. You know, everything is connected. Um, and you want to be able to move comfortably between the parasympathetic and your sympathetic because if you, you're stuck in one of those for too long the body is not performing efficiently and that would be hrv you know in terms of um heart rate variability it's tracking the way your your nervous system operates and nitric oxide plays a big part in that yeah that makes sense well i also love how you described that people think so myopically about what breathing is. It's just going to be my lungs doing this thing. But mm. when you talk about this interconnected system, we're, we're in such a world where it's just like, I just want to think it's that one thing that's like, it's an ecosystem and it's a, a well-integrated thing. And if you, if one thing is off, then everything in some way, shape or form will become off from like that's alignment. Um, so looking at creating harmonious relationships within the body and using what you're talking about, I think is so beautiful. I think that's a really, if we can take that lesson alone and say, Hey, we need to move out. And like, we could, we could use that idea in almost everything we do the same way. Like when you decide to, I told people this all the time, like if you're going to try to lose weight permanently, you're going to have to change everything in your life because everything in your life is going to interface with the decisions and the routines you make around feeding decisions and movement decisions from how you're spending your time at work to the relationships you have to the stress responses and everything in between. So I loved how you, you said like, Hey, there's, you said what, 26 muscles around the, the throat, just like for 20, breathing. Yeah. 20 muscles around the throat. So there's so much there. And, and if we can start to respect that this is a whole big thing, like, man, I think there's so much to be gained in just that understanding alone and in respecting our body aside from mm -hmm. the fact like, Hey, I'm going to feel more chilled out. I got to imagine like all your, you and your free diver friends are just like super mellow you know, all the time. Am I, am, am I way off <laughs> yes, on that? <laughs> just chilling. There is a, it is a lifestyle. Um, and actually when you talk to free divers, they, there's, you know, a lot of the, what I love about the community is it's ageless. Mm -hmm. You know, some of the, the world record holders are between the ages of 40 and 60 you know, and because of years of training and adaptation, they get to that goal. It doesn't just, they don't just suddenly dive to 110 meters, you know, after a month of training, it takes years. So you kind of go, I'm committed to this as a lifestyle because, and every time I can hold my breath for two seconds longer or go a meter deeper, it's a win. 
And it's a humbling sport because if your mind isn't in the right place, you won't be able to hold your breath for very long. It's like a mirror. When you hold your breath and you go underwater, it's a mirror because everything that happened that day, you know, people can get good at compartmentalizing things, but it takes training. And that's why I love bringing in my free diving training into my breathwork training because it's, there's so many key elements that connect. And I think people particularly are drawn to that type of training because they know it's not just this one thing they're going to learn. And what I would like to add is, you know, when I talk about functional breathing, I'm not teaching people a new out there breathing technique. I'm teaching them day-to-day -day breathing. If you can learn these techniques so they become default habits, your normal breathing will be forever changed for, the, for all the right reasons. And not just for sports performance, but within a few days, we can impact your sleep quality. So if you are having trouble sleeping, think about your breathing. You know, a lot of people think I've never thought about it that way. Children suffering with, you know, neurodiversity issues, ADHD. How are the children sleeping? Are they breathing with their mouth open? You know, there are tools that you can use. There's a particularly a high quality mouth tape, which you can order online called Myotape, which helps the myofacial muscles it retrains the facial muscles to close your lips at night so you can breathe through your nose only and the impact on your sleep quality if you want to track it on any wearable tech is remarkable i often get my clients who are really into their tech to do data tracking and send me their results and it's very motivating because they're seeing oh my gosh just by changing my breathing perhaps mouth taping if i need to i'm getting a a better resting heart rate, which is very important as we get older, improving my lung function, which also deteriorates as we get older, and having a much more restorative night's sleep. So you wake up feeling refreshed and energized rather than exhausted and frustrated. So the, the benefits of good breathing are just massive. And I, you know, I'm I get excited about it so much because I'm in it all the time because I know I see with my clients these, you know, I've had one lady who couldn't get more than four hours sleep in two years. And within three weeks of working with me, she was getting seven to eight hours sleep a night. I mean, that is a gift you give yourself. And the only caveat is you have to want to make these changes, mm. you know, so even for people who are listening, who are like, oh, I have no problem with sleep. I'm not really anxious or stressed. I would still think, be aware of your breathing. How are you breathing? Yeah. If it's mouth breathing and upper chest, you need to give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> or just read up on it. You know, there's so much information out there. I'm not just like, yeah. if you want the information to make a difference, it's available. Well, even just what you're saying, like, hey, I'm going to start waking up more refreshed and ready to go. For somebody who is running a business or has a lot of responsibilities, think about that. If you have, you have to do less things in the morning before you're ready to like do the things you'd want to do or need to do, what an advantage that is. You're already starting 
whole, as opposed to having to try to rev yourself up more often than not, jack yourself full of caffeine and caffeinated mm -hmm. beverages and energy drinks and name your name, your whatever Red Bull to then just be wired to probably mm -hmm. induce more of a problem on top of that to then try to do the thing of feeling a little strung out and then like still going into a deficit and being tired again the next day. I think it like, but no, like now you just started good and like you can start good again the next day and the next day. And I like, I see that as really exponential growth because maybe even if just like it's one, it's it, you're 1% a little bit better every single day because you already showed up a little bit more present, a little more relaxed, a little, even the conversations be like, I don't know when people are cranky, they say nasty things or there's a little just sharp with their tone or they react to their kids a certain way. I think how many arguments could probably be stopped if they just started off a little bit arrested. They just chilled out a little bit more. They restored themselves and allowed them, gave themselves permission to just chill the fuck out. Basically, like it's what it comes down to. Um, I think that that's, you're right. That is such a profound gift and that what i love what you said about it is like you're going to keep giving yourself that gift and i would even go so far as to suggest that it's probably going to show up as a powerful benefit and advantage in a place in somebody's life a year two three five down the line that they had no idea that having that basic skill set was going to be profoundly profoundly impactful that they might not have been successful in that situation otherwise. Um, so I really appreciate you just sharing all of that. Just like that simple, Hey, this is some basic physiology stuff. Like we just got to respect it and do it. It's so cool that the, and the, the results are getting from people. I mean, I'm wearing my watch right now. And I track my sleep every night. I know how my waking up with my like readiness state or whatever they want to call it nowadays. It's all HRV, as you mentioned, it's no different than what you're talking about. I think that that's, and admittedly, I have not been great about like doing basic, a certain breathing practice. I do a breath work thing every morning, but like maybe more of a nasal breathing thing at night might be a really cool thing for me to add in there. So you've already got the wheels turning on my end because I want to be indestructible. So thank you. <laughs> you get your sleep right. Everything else is gravy. And, and that is down to breathing, honestly. Um, and I think you know, I'm often asked by people, you know, what about other breathing techniques? And I say to them, look, think of yoga. You know, if you're into your yoga, you can pick a fast or slow or very chilled out, you know, style of yoga, whatever suits your personality. What we're teaching here is breathing 101. Get the basics right forever. And then you can go off and do the more extreme, you know, out there breathing techniques. And I mean, extreme not in, as in dangerous but there are other styles of breathing out there that put a lot of stress on the body which can be very um, helpful um, but you need to bring the body back into homeostasis because if you leave your body in a hyper stressed state as you know the benefit there's no benefit to the body or the mind you need to be able to balance that so I always say to people think of it like yin and yang mm. educate yourself a lot of people won't They'll just take whatever is out there and assume that that's it. But I'm here to say, you know, you have options. And why not be better at your breathing? Because it's going to impact everything. Your, your sleep, your mindset, your sports performance, 
how you speak to your staff at work, how you speak to your kids, as you rightly mentioned. Um, and my, you know, for this year, I'm looking forward to doing more corporate work, taking in these functional breathing techniques into the workplace, you know? Yeah. Because people have that. to have difficult conversations. And how do you control your nervous system? You use your breath. Um, so it is, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. You know, there's a lot of the science out there, but rather than overwhelming the people with too much science, I'd rather them practice and feel it for themselves and then get the education along with it because then they know how it feels and why it feels so good mm. or not. And then suddenly the body goes, oh, hey, I like that. I might do that again. Mm. I, I have one corporate CEO who said to me, don't make me meditate. <laughs> he was like, I don't want to meditate. It doesn't, it's not for me. I'm not interested. And I said, that's okay. We're not, we're not, I'm not a meditation teacher, but I am going to teach you how to use your breath, which is tangible and you can feel it. And we're going to change states from, you know, hyper aroused to more parasympathetic, relaxed. And after he did a few sessions with me and I we took, took him through a guided practice, he finally said, I now know what meditation feels like. Mm. So it's not something you can force on people. I said to him, I, we took, he said, I said, you, you have the power to take yourself into that state now that you have the tools. So it is, you know, it's, it's that desire of wanting to try something new, not being bound by barriers that we set up for ourselves you know or boundaries and just being open to it because the the changes are too important not to consider in my opinion i couldn't agree more what i love that you did in that example there with that gentleman and you said ceo or whomever he was is that mm -hmm. you really met him where he was at like maybe he did need more meditation but he was so turned off by x y and z because name whatever reason but mm. you said like cool we're gonna just start here basics and to that effect like somebody who's listening right now who also might have it sounds too good to be true it's that simple but i don't need to focus on that like that kind of idea but somebody who's also maybe like ready to take like a very micro step they might still be so many people are just afraid like how am i gonna do this and then i have to go into like then i have to be free diving it's like no you don't <laughs> What's a suggestion you'd make for somebody who's just like, hey, I listened to this. I want to give a very basic shot at this thing. What would be like a simple breathing exercise that they could do right now that would take very little time to give them a, a sense of what we're talking about here? Okay, so if someone is curious, literally just sit quietly for, and I say 90 seconds, you know, less the time it takes to make a, a coffee and slow your breathing down, close your mouth, and slow your breathing down. So when you take a gentle inhale through the nose, extend your exhale very soft, softly and breathe again. You could even time yourself for 90 seconds if you feel more comfortable. And that is like the basics, because if you can just breathe through the nose and extend your exhale, you're already on the path to a more correct way of breathing that's gonna impact your nervous system positively. A more, um, 
I'd say an exercise is not advanced at all. It's a simple exercise, but where, which includes breath hold. And for some people, breath holds are very uncomfortable, but we're talking short breath holds, two to five seconds. And this particular exercise I use for people that struggle with their sleep. So before going to sleep or they break up in the middle of the night, they can't get back to sleep. Um, or they've just been training and they need to just, they need to bring the body back down after a session and they want to just, it's a, like a warm down exercise. Sit quietly, you can sit on the floor cross-legged. I prefer to do this seated rather than lying down. And if you want to do it with me now, Caleb, I'm happy to. Um, I would say this exercise can be done from two minutes to 15 minutes, depending on how much you need it. But what it does is it interrupts your breathing pattern, calms the heart rate, and reduces your cortisol and adrenaline. Mm. And for some people, that will take longer than others. But if you're particularly hyper-aroused, it can take longer. But most people can see a difference within a few minutes. Mm. So you want to inhale through the nose. You want to gently exhale and hold your breath for five seconds. So one, two, three, four, five. Breathe normally through your nose now for 10 seconds. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Take a gentle inhale through the nose. Soft exhale. Hold your breath for five, four, three, two, one. Breathe normally through your nose for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I'll stop there. I'm already that filled up. Just <laughs> oh legit i feel great <laughs> i mean that was that was short but you know you can also it's a breath work an hour before this so like i'm really like primed for it this was just like oh let's snowball this effect and like feel really good so <laughs> I'm like if we're gonna do some breath work right now yeah girl let's do it so this is great I and think it's really sorry i think it's beautiful i love it it's so simple the i've seen so many people play with like hold tempo all that i haven't done that tempo though i think i like that one it's very simple to remember and the important thing is you hold on the on the exhale because mm. if you hold on an inhale you're putting a lot of pressure on on the respiratory muscles and we don't want that we want the body to be completely relaxed mm. but inhale exhale hold for five breathe normally for ten repeat love it Thank you for sharing that little exercise right there. My pleasure. To that effect, somebody's like, hey, by the way, you have a phenomenal voice for these types of things. I feel like you just need to do guided meditations for people to fall asleep to. I think it'd be great. People would just like wither away into their slumber and they just breathe real slow, you know? It's gonna happen. It's going to happen. So, well, I want to be part of that. So um, 
if somebody's like, you know what, I am struggling. I've won, you know, some people are athletes. There's some people who own gyms that are listening to this and they're like, oh, I want to connect with somebody who knows how to do this kind of cool stuff. Especially mm-hmm. got a lot of friends who own CrossFits or, you know, micro gyms, whatever you want to call them, more community-based type of things where it's athletes and go figure. They all got that intensity thing to them. Mm-hmm. Or somebody who's just looking to have a little more peace and solitude and downregulate some of that anxiety and and avoid the you know the 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 ultimate you know freak out moments and just be able to perhaps walk through your life with a little more grace and calm and just zen dare i say what would be the best way for somebody to get in contact with you well at the moment the easiest way is through social media i'm very active on instagram and linkedin under my name it's tracy may house um, i'll send you a link I think you've got one. Yeah, you got the links. Yeah, I'm going to put it all in the show yeah, notes. You can put so. it in the show notes. And my new website will be going live soon, but they can reach out on social or they can email me. And I do one-to-one and group training on Zoom. Mm. And I do functional breathing training, which is focused on getting the basics right and quite relaxing, chilled exercises. And then the other side of my work is where I work with high-performing individuals, athletes, particularly where we do simulated high-altitude training, where we do a lot more advanced breathwork techniques to positively stress the body for adaptation. So they can contact me for for either of those. Love that. Already got some people in mind. Um, beyond just the people we talked about last time, especially mm-hmm. when I talked about the group, I was like, huh, my wife's a teacher. She starts some wellness initiatives at her school. I think about how high strung a lot of teachers have been in the past couple of years. Hmm, maybe this might be a little something to play around with. Um, I also, but, yeah, sorry, no, I also do taste, taster sessions, but I'm aware that you guys in the US are at the moment five hours behind. So it would be a 7 a.m. start. <laughs> You know what? Probably be good for them to say, like, I'm going to yeah. learn how to start my day a little more peaceful before the whole craziness revs up. That's a good idea, actually. So, yeah. Um, Tracy, I just love your vibe. I think you're fantastic. You just, I love your energy. As mellow as it is, it calms me down. Just that tone <laughs> that they got the blue water behind you. I love it. Any parting words of wisdom, any advice? Anything you'd like to share, else you'd like to share with the audience? I think I can only share with what really, you know, has made such an impact for me was learning through the self-awareness of the breath work and the free diving, was learning to trust myself a lot more. And one thing I hope to bring to people that I work with or people perhaps who listened to this podcast and tried one or two of those exercises, you have the power to empower yourself. And the breath is a tool to help you to do that. And if I can help you on your journey, then get in touch because it may, it will make a real positive difference, not only to you, but to the people around you. And I think that is the best gift we can give. You're here. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for just sharing your time and your experience today. Like this is, I love, 
I, like selfishly, this podcast for me is just getting to talk to cool people. I've just told, I've told you that before, but like I get to learn just maybe in a slightly different story, a slightly different angle, maybe sometimes on information I already was somewhat familiar with, but somebody else sharing their context, their experience, it might land better with somebody else. And it's just so cool to hear that. And just, you know, me, I just love to hear somebody's story in general, because like that vulnerability and that realness about people is just, it's a beautiful thing. And I just want to say thank you again for just being willing to put up with my craziness a little bit more and, and share some more time with me. Uh, it does not go unappreciated. So I, I thank you so much for that. And um, as I said before, I, for anybody who's listening is ready to make some changes and looking for some of those benefits we talked about. I'll be putting Tracy's information in the show notes. So make sure to go check that out. But aside from that, thank you all for joining today. And until next time, I remind you to love every body.